Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into my top 10 February films in today's episode. What's this? What's this? The simply sensational standing ovation of Royal Dalton Musical. What is this? Another month has gone by. Uh, two, February saw, as you might expect, a lot of you know Oscar movies to be caught up on, uh, and this list will reflect that. So, a bunch of them I will have already talked about before. February also featured. February also featured a lot of rewatches. Uh, I'm in the process of going back through all the MCU films, uh, and I you know just happened to be a year where. Uh, I rewatched Avatar, or a month rather, where I rewatched Avatar, a couple of short films that I really enjoy. Um, uh, a film, uh, Roman Plansky's Carnage, which I really loved the first time I saw it. Rewatch mm, definitely dropped it quite a bit for me, but uh, it's still fine. It's still good, but it definitely lost a lot of the luster uh, from the original viewing. Uh, so there will be. Um, there's definitely going to be films on here that I've already talked about, but uh, I will try to skate by those um, as quickly as possible and, and spend a little more time on the ones that I hadn't mentioned yet. So, number 10. Number 10 this year uh, is a film from this month, this month, February. Number 10 in February. Uh, I saw February 22nd. 2019. Uh, it's about 105 minutes long. It's a 2019 film from this year. Uh, my summary, the daughter of a wrestling family gets a chance to join the WWE. My rating for the film is a 69. It has a 91% the last time I checked. Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, directed by Stephen Merchant. Starring Florence Pugh, Lena Headey, Nick Frost, Jack Loud, and Vince Vaughn, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, among others, is fighting with my family. I was really looking forward to this. I love Florence Pugh. I, I loved her in Lady Macbeth. Um, and I've seen her in a handful of other things since then. And uh, whether or not the films were good uh, is another story. But even in minor or small supporting roles in things like Outlaw King, um, she she and the commuter I, I still enjoyed seeing her i think she has a great screen presence i think she does a great job with even little um and so fighting with my family very excited to see her really take on a big role uh and uh she does not disappoint uh i, I thought she did a fantastic job as soraya knight slash page and just owns this this vulnerable and and conflicted character you know this is a wwe wrestling champion that she is playing uh and i mean insofar as it's her her rise to to uh fame in a sense but she comes she uh, you know she, she's playing a character who person rather who does take a lot of time to get there takes um effort takes strength takes perseverance and she shows that you know she has 
missteps. She does fall on her ass a few times, but you know, even when at the very, very end of it, pushed all the way to the very, very brink, even when she wants to give up, uh, she's able to show through her performance uh, and through Stephen Merchant's direction and writing how she's able to overcome. I think Lena Headey and Nick Frost as the parents are just delightful. Uh, they are, it's such a bizarre pairing, um, both from all the things I've seen them in before, uh, especially Lena Headey as uh, Cersei, but just and also like the relationship between the two of them, um, the the just ma- manner in which they are conveyed as this family unit, you know, between the two of them, Jack Loudon and, and Florence Pugh, it's it's a really fun foursome of, of, of a family, and I, I could spend a lot more time with them, honestly. I think they could give us more, you know, just home life of these characters, and I think it would be really enjoyable to watch. On top of that, uh, you have Vince Vaughn, uh, who is, I guess you would call him, he's like a promoter for WWE. He's he's looking for new talent. He's he's scouting, scout maybe, scouting new talent. Uh, who has one of the, uh, and who outside of the family has, has probably the, the meatiest role in the film. And Vince Vaughn is, is so hit and miss. I, I, I've, I want him to be better, I think, all the time, and he doesn't quite get there most of the time. Uh, thinking of, you know, Brawl in Cell Block 99, I thought he was very good uh, in that film, you know, really going against the kind of, you know, persona he'd built up, whereas, you know, very, very, very many comedies that he's been in are, are a far cry from from that level. Uh, you know, but I liked seeing him in Hacksaw Ridge the other a couple of years back. He he was a sort of Arlie Ermy drill sergeant throwback, and while without definitely not the same um, level of fire and brimstone that Ermy ever had, Vaughn was still good. I, I still liked him in that role, and and here I think he he really outdoes himself quite a bit. He does play this kind of a tough guy, but he's got this comedic edge to his character. He is um, a little sanded down in some parts, but very sharp and jagged in others. He's able to, you know, be this this force in the film uh, without being incredibly imposing. And, you know, the, the film is never unsure of who the main character is and of who this is really about and that's Paige and going giving Vaughn this role where he can never really supersede her and even when he's talking down to her even when he's telling her you know brutal facts and truths it's only ever from her perspective it's only ever through her eyes and so we get to see him that way and I think that does wonders for his performance and he really comes across that way. You know, he has to act that way. He has to know from his performance that it's not his story, even when, you know, he might be telling his backstory 
or or going into more details about things like that and uh, I think he does a great job with it. I, I really pre- loved it. And that would go, and you know, can't can't not mention Dwayne Johnson. Uh, he's in all the marketing material for this movie. He's got two and a half, three scenes maybe, uh, which is more than I expected going in. I expected one. Uh, but he does get, come up multiple times as himself, which... I don't, I would normally hate, I would normally hate this from him, uh, and, and even the decision to include him at all, but when you have a movie about WWE that, you know, it, it, there's, a no, there's a small enough time gap between when it happened and, and uh, when we're watching it, when the film was made, the Rock doesn't look like he's aged a day in the last 10 years, so he can play that role going backward far enough. I think, you know, it, it has to be has to be said, you know, he, he does well. You know, he it's it's weird to see him not playing the dramatized version of himself, which for you know, to be clear, he does for a brief moment. Uh, in the film, but otherwise he's just kind of laid back and chill and, you know, just himself. And and that is, strangely, something I'm not used to seeing out of The Rock. And I, I liked seeing him less amped up, less, you know, over the top. And, and I think it p- works really well. The story itself uh, takes, I don't know, it takes its cue from a lot of other kind of sport drama movies and as as little as fighting with my family is about the actual sports element it's far more of a character study of a coming of age film family drama it does hit on a lot of those same you know checkpoints along the way and uh, you know was probably what ultimately holds it back from breaking over that 70 threshold for me but Man, I really enjoyed it. I loved the cast. I loved the vibe and the emotions of it. And uh, you can't, I, I couldn't help but be as proud as anyone else in the film uh, at the end of the movie. So, number 10 is Fighting with My Family. Number nine. Number nine. Uh, this one. Um, I, I'm starting to watch some films uh, for the next Circle of Film Award episode, which will be for 2011. Uh, so this is a 2011 film. I watched it February 26th, 2019. It's about 91 minutes long. It's only an hour and a half. Uh, my summary, two lonely introverts live across from each other. I gave it a 70. Currently has a 67% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is a foreign language film directed by Gustavo Toretto. Uh, this is the only film of his I've seen, starring Javier Drolas, Pilar Lopez de Ayala, and Inez Efron, among others. Might have butchered that a little. And this is called Sidewalls, or uh, Medianeras. Um, tough to talk. It's a really weird take on the romantic comedy. Uh, you know, it... it, it a lot of rom-coms, thinking about rom-coms, structure of rom-coms, spend 90% of the movie, will they, won't they, and trying to push 
our two primary characters into and out of re- their relationship um, and, and stressing, you know, the dynamic between the two characters over and over and over and over again uh, to the point where it becomes frustrating and problematic. And then the last 10% is the pair finally realizing, no, hey, look, this whole time we've been meant to be, this whole time it's happy, it's joyous, maybe it ends in a wedding, maybe it ends in a run through an airport, whatever it is, it ends that way with them coming together and happy and whatnot. Hunky-dory. Sidewalls does a really interesting thing where that first 90%, The film is still working to try to push its main characters together, but as opposed to more conventional rom-coms, it doesn't happen. They are never together for the first 85-90% of this movie. It's, like I said, they live across the street from each other, and, and... they're both dealing with their own stuff. And we go back and forth from one to the other. And they may be passed by each other on the sidewalk. Maybe they see or notice each other um, through through the window or something. But they don't actually meet up for the vast majority of this film. And Gustavo Toretto kind of plays with this idea that is it... You know, is it really meant to be? It is. It can two people who, you know, we as the viewing audience may think, oh, they should get together. You know, is that really possible? In a in a world in a world where when you live in the city, you're surrounded by hundreds of millions of people, tens of thousands of hun- of you know, just all all the time. You turn your head. You know, I live in Pittsburgh. I see hundreds of people. Every time I go out of my apartment and, you know, the odds of like meeting that one person are astronomical, you know, and, and if you're waiting for it to happen, you're going to be generally you wait a long time, contrary to what some rom-coms would have you believe, where it's like, oh, really wish I could fall in love. Cue to cut to you know the next day bumping into this hot guy mover guy on the sidewalk or you know running into um, a girl coming out of the elevator you know like it just happens so, so silly and coincidentally this actually takes its time and it's like no like they there's stuff they have to get through this is you know the 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 hour of movie worth of time that happens before traditional rom-coms start. And I really enjoyed that take on it. I really enjoyed this this different perspective, and I thought it provided a good way of simultaneously uh, uh, undermining um, the, the traditional style of a rom-com, while also still paying you know staying true and paying homage to how it works and why it works and why we've as a society at least uh still enjoy traditional rom-coms and beyond that you know Drolas and uh Lopez de Ayala both give great performances I, I love Pilar as Mariana I, I think she, I think she's the best uh, better of the two of them but I, I thought they were both really good and I don't know I just uh an interesting movie. I wouldn't really didn't have any idea what it was about, and uh, it, it kind of it surprised me quite a bit. That's number nine, 
sidewalls. Number eight, uh, a film I've already talked about, already had an episode on uh, previously. Uh, I saw this February 24th. It's 97 minutes long. It's a 2019 film. I gave it a 70. It has a 92% the last time I looked on Rotten Tomatoes. And that is How to Train Your Dragon, colon, The Hidden World. I won't go too much into it, but I've heard some more reactions and reviews from for the film since uh, doing my own episode. And I probably, I guess I would say that the general consensus feels a little more lukewarm uh, than my own. And, you know, listening to their critiques and their comments, I think there's definitely uh, some merit to them. You know, I, I, I still stand by what I said about Valka being very underutilized and, and, you know, not really knowing what to do with her. I, I still think Astrid did not get enough to do. And, uh, one argument that I heard that I, I really responded to, uh, at least insofar as thinking like this makes sense and I should think about this more, is how the film kind of treats dragons. And I, I won't spoil anything with with how that resolves in the third film. But if you have seen all three, if you really liked this third one or didn't like this third one or whatever you felt, uh, I would definitely like kind of take a step back and, and look at the progression of the nature of the relationship between dragons and humans in this franchise and what the film seems to be saying because it, it was something that kind of made me pause and like, oh, I hadn't ever, I didn't really consider that when I had seen the film and uh, I think it's it's something worth looking into. Because it is a little puzzling. It is a little complicated, more complicated than I think it should be. Uh, but, hmm, yeah. So, my number eight is How to Train Your Dragon, colon, The Hidden World. My number nine. Number seven, sorry. My number seven uh, is a documentary. I saw this February 9th, 2019. It's from 1984. It's 89 minutes long. Uh, my summary, The Lives of Teenagers on the Streets of in Seattle. Uh, I gave the film a 73. It currently has no score on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it is directed by Martin Bell. Uh, this is the only film of his that I've seen. Uh, and uh, the film is called Streetwise. Streetwise. Uh, it was not, or it was, sorry, it was nominated for Best Documentary Film. Uh, for the year it was eligible at the Oscars, and in my opinion, rightly so. The documentary follows a group of teenagers, uh, I think nine teenagers, who live in Seattle and are all in various states of despair, uh, of, of just trouble, uh, just, just really poor, poor situations all around. And the film does not try to judge them, to comment on them. It's not talking heads. It's, you know, more just observing and, and showing their lives and what they do and what they go through and how they live and survive. And it's simultaneously, you know, incredibly dire and and painful to watch because you know these are 13 19 year old people who you know most of us have been that age most of us remember having to do absolutely nothing like what is done in this movie and what they are shown to have been doing and at the same time 
I'm for me at least I'm also thinking like could I you know when when they are pushed up against the wall when they do have no food left no money would I be able to survive that would I be able to would I be resourceful enough could I find the spare change scrape the last few dollars you know make get to a makeshift you know a shelter or something you know would would that be within me to to get further in life given the circumstances and uh, you know fingers crossed i never have to find and find the real answer to that question but it's one i wouldn't confidently say oh yeah totally because i've never experienced it i have no clue and these these kids are in that sense really really impressive and really powerful and show just how it does not matter what class of life you lead that there are things inside us there are personality traits there are um you know whatever you want to attribute it to that transcend uh i think those those predicaments and those those class systems and and so on and so forth and in streetwise you do get a sense that if these you know if had these people been born with one foot up instead of you know one foot down this you know who who knows sky's the limit you know their potential is 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 such a big question mark and you know it just feel it's it's a it's not really a feel good movie it's more it's very much like a you know a feel bad movie but it it just it's very difficult and it pushes you mentally and stimulates your uh your kind of your thought process on what this really is and what this really means to to live this way to you know we we think about it all the time you know you pass a homeless person outside the store a store you know asking you for money and you either you ignore him or you tell her you know sorry i don't have any cash or you know this this the other and you know and my, for me and, and and the homeless people that i've seen uh you know they're all middle-aged or older and you know you know what what is what does it mean if that person asking you for money is is 15 i don't know and i think streetwise poses that question as as many questions but that one as well and and there are a lot of things worth considering and and really digging into that I that Streetwise presents and, and I really did appreciate it for that element. So number seven is Streetwise. Number six. Number six, jumping back into uh the present with number six, uh 2019 film that I saw February 28th, 2019. Uh it's 85 minutes long, caught it last day of the month. Uh, my summary, two misfit neighbors go on a journey after one is diagnosed with cancer. Gave this a 73. Currently has a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Alexander Lehman. 
Lehman, uh, starring Mark Duplass, Ray Romano, Christine Woods, Kadeem Hardison, Dendry Taylor, among others. And that is Paddleton. Paddleton is a new Netflix movie. Uh, if you don't know who Mark Duplass is, I think you should, because uh, more so as, as a... I don't know. I, I wouldn't really elevate him and, and say hey, that he's a great actor by any stretch, but he always happens to be involved in, in some pretty impressive projects. Uh, you know, so I would take a look at some of the films he's been connected to. You know, he and his brother have produced, written, directed many films that I, I've really enjoyed. Uh, and so I I knew of Paddleton. I'd heard of it. I'd seen, you know, I follow Mark Duplass on Twitter, so I... I heard him seen him promoting it and i had thought he directed it which he doesn't uh he does co-write it with the director alexander layman but the film uh is is paddleton is uh it's just really really good <laughs> i don't know it, it's a it's a lot similar it's very similar to 50 50 um, 50-50, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Seth Rogen, buddy comedy drama about JGL getting cancer and, and the fallout of that. This is very similar. Two men uh, who one of them gets cancer and they kind of have to deal with it and, and what happens. And the what, what, what sets Paddleton apart from 50-50 and I guess what separates both of them from each other is... One, um, JGL and Seth Rogen far younger in 50-50 than Mark Duplass and Ray Romano in Paddleton. And additionally, JGL gets cancer, and it's obviously, it's a very traumatic film. I, I think 50-50 manages to hit hard on the drama and the comedy uh, of it pretty well. But the, diff the main distinction I drew was Seth Rogen's reaction his character's reaction to the cancer and how he treats every the situation moving forward is uh, sides very much on the optimistic end of the spectrum. And uh, on the contrary, Ray Romano is, is hardly optimistic uh, during Paddleton after the diagnosis and, and everything, uh, which is given context when you see the film. I won't go into more detail about that but there's reasons for it and I think by adding that additional layer it makes the film that much more uh, it, it separates it enough that I as much as I can draw similarities between the two I think Paddleton does have its own you know leg to stand on which speaking of Ray Romano I thought so uh, so so overlooked for his performance in the Big Sick is great here too. Uh, his his timing, the his delivery, his performance, all of it is really really fantastic, and one of my favorite performances, uh, my favorite performance of the year so far. I you know his just I don't know he's just he's turned into this kind of a little grizzled a little you know. A little off his rocker, a little little out of touch, a little you know screws loose, wires um, frayed kind of guy, and and it works so well. 
it worked really well in the big sick it works really well in paddleton and the relationship between duplis and Roman and romano is is really really fascinating you know i would liken it to uh, mccarthy and richard e. grant in can you ever forgive me i think they have a great rapport and their banter their their chemistry makes you care about them and that's the point you know you care about these characters you want them to continue to exist together you want them to stay friends and and be happy and and even when what they're doing is so bizarre and foreign to everyone else around them you connect to them and you really enjoy uh how they how they show how they show their love for each other um the film never really ratchets up a notch uh you know it's a very subdued film even at the most dramatic points and on one hand i really respect that i think that's a really it shows a lot of restraint that uh, you know i think the movie doesn't require you know a bombastic scene you know of the two of, of duplass and romano yelling at each other or or at somebody else you know it, it does play things a lot lower and, and closer to the best um but it still does end up with uh i don't know it's it it doesn't need that but i I think it's missing a little bit of um i don't know i think it doesn't quite go far enough i think it could have pushed things a little more uh and maybe that has to do with the peripheral characters Uh, i think a lot of them are just kind of tossed into this grinder that is Duplis and Romano and then spit out the other side. Uh, and as much as the film is obviously about these two guys and their relationship first and foremost, I think that the film would have been served better with more fleshed out supporting characters. And that's maybe my maybe my biggest knock against it. Uh, so, Paddleton. Paddleton, my number six. Number six. All right. Number five. Number five from February. It's a film I saw February 27th, 2019. It's 125, a little over two hours long. Uh, It's a 2011 film. It's also a documentary. My summary, A City Grapples with Urban Violence. Gave the film a 74. It currently has a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Directed by Steve James. Uh, it, If you don't know who Steve James is, uh, he directed Hoop Dreams, uh, Abacus, Small Enough to Jail, Life Itself, Prefontaine, uh, and a bunch of other films uh, that, you know, Head Games, No Crossover, Stevie, America to Me, very solid and and um, award you know, award winning director for documentaries and such. This film is called The Interrupters, and uh, The Interrupters takes place in Chicago, where uh, it, it it's mostly about former gang members who are now 
going out and kind of just babysitting is is too trivial of trivial of a term to use but keeping an eye on and, and kind of uh befriending and staying close to uh current uh not necessarily gang members but but just people prone to violence and people who they they either know or believe are are on the verge of of causing further damage and harm to others and the film focuses on three specific interrupters and, and their stories and, and interactions with someone which I found to be very it, it, it's it's a really moving portrait of humanity and I, I think that's the best way to say it I think it's an incredibly incredibly poignant and moving portrait of humanity. It shows real people doing very difficult work. You know, you, you just, I think we all kind of, maybe not all of us, I think a lot of us really underestimate the effort and time and uh, energy that goes into uh, being someone's friend. I think a lot of us have experienced, you know, weeks, months without, you know, a connection with somebody else. And and Facebook has made that situation a lot better. But we've all kind of gone through that. Oh, man, I haven't talked to you in so long. You know, we got to catch up, yada, yada, yada. But some of us, I think, have gotten to a point where someone that we've, you know, cared about and someone that we, you know, Uh, love needs that constant connection needs that okay I need to say hi to them every day I need to be in constant constant touch with them I need to make sure that if they are trying to talk to me I'm here and I can talk to them in almost a pseudo uh, psychiatrist sort of a relationship you know very loosely and those are tough I've been in them uh, on both ends. They're tough. Uh, it's it's not easy uh, to maintain those sorts of relationships. And the interrupters and what they do is is very much the same thing. It is, you're in a bad place right now. Uh, you know, there's there's one one of the relationships is is re- the one that sticks out the most to me in hindsight is uh this this guy he is is very very upset you know he's spent most of his life in prison uh he's currently not in prison and he's 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 you know chomping at the bit to to go exact revenge and or you know as he would probably say justice on these other guys you know he has a gun he is very, you know, without intervention, is very likely to hurt, kill uh, somebody. And two of the interrupters go to him, meet him at his house, and they're they're not trying to say, hey, look, you can't do this, necessarily. But they're approaching it from a perspective of, hey, look, man, we're just going to be with you. 
we're just going to be by your side. We're here for you. You know, you want to talk, we can talk, we can go get some food, we can do this, we can do that, but we're here. And the, the thing that the interrupters really makes you realize and really hammers home is, is, is damn, like how much everyone can benefit from just a support system. How much everyone can benefit from somebody who who cares, somebody who is there, somebody from from having a, a strong, solid pillar of of support. And the in, the inference there being that, or, or the the implication being that, if if everyone had that, man, you could prevent. Who knows how many horrible acts from taking place. And then a step further, how many people must not have that given how many horrible and unspeakable things happen constantly, right? How many, you know, you, I mean, just, just glance at, you know, the gun death and shooting records for this year alone already in the United States and you got to wonder you know if if half of them had had a significant and functioning and committed support system or or just person just one person how many of those could have been prevented it's probably it's not zero it's a non-zero number and it's really, really heartwarming, and it's it's exciting, and warm to 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 watch this take place. To watch these guys, these people, these these you know f- former gang members trying to to right wrongs that they've done, trying to right future wrongs uh it's it it, it just it it, it's a very very strong message and it's one that's presented without you know it's not you know you don't have some guy on a whiteboard like drawing the map of what's happening it's just watching them do it and i think it, it conveys this incredible sense of accomplishment as a as as people just as as a species that we have the capacity to do something like this that we can influence somebody with just our time with just our care and commitment and uh i really like the film i, I think it does a really great job of, of all of that and um you know you you kind of you get drawn into their story you you get connected uh to their their voice their 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 lives their trials and tribulations and uh it's it's a powerful thing it's a very very powerful thing so my number five uh the for february is the interrupters from steve james number four Number four, highest rated film uh, of, of, of the 
2019 February month is uh, another Oscar film. Uh, I haven't really got, I don't think I did a review episode on it. Um, maybe I did. Jeez. I don't think I did, but uh, I know it's one I've talked about. And uh, so it's uh, February 3rd, 2019 that I saw it. 118 minutes. 2018 film. Summary, a young boy sues his parents while serving time in prison for a violent crime. I gave it a 76. It has an 85% last time I looked on Rotten Tomatoes. Directed by Nabeen Labaki. Labaki. I've definitely talked about it. Done an episode. So, uh, it is Capernaum. Foreign film nominee uh, this year, Capernaum. Um, uh, just to add, like, I... I I still really, thinking back, I, I still think of it, you know, this movie bef- um, at times. I, I think it does a really good job of just showcasing a fantastic, just just child performance. And, and, and just the, the relationships between uh, Zayn al-Rafai and uh, Bala Watife, Treasure Banco. Sure, I'm pronouncing this wrong. Uh, the, the, those two are are phenomenal, and uh, you know, just uh, just kids doing their thing, being being kids. And uh, you know, you, you look at Zane playing the role of Zane, and I, I think he looks so at home. Uh, maybe maybe depressingly so uh, in the life that he's portraying in Capernaum, and. I, it makes me feel for him. I, I felt out, my, my heart reached out to him. I felt real awful, you know, him going through everything. And, you know, you just want to give him a hug. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed Capernaum. I, I think it's, you know, it's it's not burning. It's not shoplifters from that year for me. But it is a strong, strong foreign film entry. And, uh should be seen I think it, it it it's not easy to watch but it's a worth worth a look so that's my number four Capernaum number three another documentary I watched quite a few documentaries uh, lately this one I saw February 10th 2019 it's 91 minutes long it's from 2008 my summary the disaster of Hurricane Katrina followed by a local rap artist it has a 76 from me and a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Directed by Carl Deal and Tia Lesson. The film is called Trouble the Water. Trouble the Water <clears throat> is, um, well, it's, it's pretty rough. <laughs> uh, you know, you watch Katrina happen from inside uh, New Orleans. Uh, we follow primarily Kimberly Rivers Roberts, who is an aspiring rap artist, pretty much videotaping herself and, and everyone around her trapped in the city, unable to leave, unable to escape, um, bludgeoned and beaten down uh, by wave after wave after wave and, and hour after hour after hour of rain. I, uh, It's... Uh, you know, un, unlike, you know, Streetwise, unlike uh, the Interrupters, to a smaller degree, Interrupters, uh, it's, it's 
easily, in my opinion, of the three docs that I've really talked about, the most uh, uplifting and redemptive film, uh, at least at the end, by 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 the over the course of it, at least, uh, Interrupters definitely has its as its prideful and and positive moments and messages, but. Uh, a lot of it is very troubling, and of course, Trouble the Water has its troubling moments too. But it, it just—it does feel like you have this positive goal and end in sight in Trouble the Water that just doesn't hit hard, hit home as hard in the others. It, you know, especially given the fact that Trouble the Water, this is an event. You know, we Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Katrina, you know, happened in my lifetime. It happened relatively recently i remember it happening uh i don't remember many specifics uh being you know half the age i am now roughly but i do remember just the you know just it's just a thing that's like this is a bad thing and that's kind of what i remember about it it's just a bad thing i you know i remember one significant hurricane that ever affected me uh living in Nearish to Philly when I was younger, and uh, we got off school that day, like that was great. <laughs> um, and I remember seeing I've seen pictures of flooded areas before and during, probably during Katrina and, and other at other times, and it's uh. What's weird, I I think of it as kind of um. You know that's that it, it. The images don't even look like modern civilization, if that makes sense. You know they feel like they come from a time when you know there weren't systems in place to combat these types of types of difficulties. These types of supernatural, uh, you know, supernatural, you know, natural events, natural occurring horrors. And it's it's really otherworldly to kind of think, man, uh, just living in a different place is all it takes to not be under two feet of water right now. And Trouble the Water really dives into that idea. You know, these are... It, the people that we see, the people that we interact with, the people that the film shows us, are are. It's for them, you know. It, it's not really a question of should I have moved, you know, last month, a year ago, whatever. It's like no, we're here. This is what we're dealing with. This is what we are going through. You know, why won't anyone help us? Why can't we get fresh water? Why can't we get fresh bread? Why? You know why aren't I, why am I not able to leave my house? Why can't I do this, that, the other? And uh, and and then it it slowly morphs into um, you know why uh, why can't I? You know you change the inflection on those questions. Why can't I fix this? Why can't I? And all of a sudden it's empowering. All of a sudden, it 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 means something. It matters. It's important. You're you're a relevant and and imposing person in your own life. You can take these steps. You can do these things. You can defy what, in this instance, the world and and the weather seems to be implying that 
you can't do. And so for that, I, I really, you know, respect this doc. I, I think, you know, it, it showcases real people who who dealt with a lot of difficult circumstances. Uh, you know, that everyone, at least in, in during Katrina and this area, we're dealing with. But we get to feel this on a personal level. We get to feel how raw and and important every single minute of their lives was during this time every decision every choice that they make and uh, i i really responded to to that portrayal of of this trauma trouble the water uh, was nominated for best documentary feature the year it was eligible um and uh it's worth a watch. I think I saw it on Amazon. I think it's free if you're a Prime Amazon Prime subscriber. Maybe I think Amazon. I saw it Amazon or Netflix, one of the two. Uh, and I, I highly encourage checking it out. That's Trouble the Water. That's my number three. My number two, uh, and in fact, my top two are both short films uh, from this month. Uh, number two is I saw it February 18th, 2019. It's eight minutes long. It's a 2019 film. My summary, a kitten and pit bull become unlikely neighbors. I gave it an 81. It has no score on Rotten Tomatoes. Directed by Rosanna Sullivan. It is Kitbull. That's it. It's uh, it's Kitbull. It is a Pixar short film. Uh, one of their Spark shorts. That they've recently started doing. Uh, the other ones I thought were good, to okay, to fine. Kipple I really enjoyed, really responded to. I, I think part of it has to do with the depiction of this kitten and this pit bull. I think when you have, you know, it's it's a story that kind of I wouldn't say we've never seen before, or that we've seen plenty of times before. It's something that feels familiar. And I, I would, and I think that's more to do with just real life than it is with film. You know, I have experienced many dogs and cats in my life at in various points, at whether they were my own, whether they were somebody else's, and you know, and uh, we all have. Even if you're, you know, even if you've never owned one, had one as a pet, if you're allergic, you still. No, have have an idea of what that's like. You've seen other people with these animals. You've seen, you know, you visited somebody else with these animals. And what Kitbull gets so right is the nature of the creatures. You know, this kitten acts exactly as I would expect a kitten to act in the circumstances. The pit bull similarly does the same thing. You know, the pit bull is a friendly animal. It's trying to do fun, nice, good things, and unfortunately, its uh, owner is kind of a dick. The kitten is out on her own, his own, its own. Um, no one to f help it, no one to look after it, no one to protect it, and so it's fending for itself, and it's relatively succeeding in that sense. Uh, and when these two creatures are kind of pressed into each other and forced into each other's lives, there's tension. 
as I think there is any time two beings are inserted into each other's space. And then the film just kind of naturally progresses from there and shows us how that relationship develops and how that um, friendship or lack thereof uh, grows. And so, you know, short film, uh, literally and, and even within short films, only eight minutes, it doesn't, despite how high rated it, it doesn't really do anything new. The animation doesn't break any new ground. I think the animation is good, but it's not, you know, the pristine 3D looking CGI that we got in something like Piper. Uh, it, it doesn't meet the qualities of Incredibles 2, How to Train Your Dragon 3, even Lego Movie 2, and Spider-Verse. You know, it, it's not quite as well animated as any of those. It is a very simple story but I think you can see through the animation and the way the animation relates to the kitten itself and how they're both kind of scattered they're both kind of uh, jarring and they're both kind of all over the place in, in a sense I like that connection I think you end up with these these moments that feel real you know it's it's about these characters who are alive you know if if the goal of animation and animated films is to make things look real um i mean i mean they've been doing it poorly for a long time i think i think a better way to say it is that the goal of animation is to make a thing feel real and if you can make something feel real when it's not you have succeeded and in my opinion, Kitbull is successful in making me feel like the this kitten and this pitbull are real. It may I I feel the the honesty and truth in in their depiction and in their presentation, and uh, that's that's what I needed, and that's what I got. And I think in that sense, Kitbull is a very very successful animated short film. You can watch it on YouTube. Uh, and I recommend you do. I think it's it's worth checking out. Rosanna Sullivan uh, might, you know, rise through the ranks and become a prominent animation director. Uh, if not in Pixar, somewhere else, who knows? Uh, and I think this is a great launching off point. So, yeah. Number two from, from February 2019 is Kipple. Which brings us to number one. Um... Number one is another short film, as I mentioned. This one I saw February 11th, 2019. It is 16 minutes long. It's from 2017, although it was qualified, or although it was eligible and nominated at the 2019 Oscars. Just a little over two weeks ago now. Two weeks? Week and a half? Week and a half ago? My summary. A woman gets a call from her son who is alone at the beach. Um, and I've talked about this already. I gave it an 82. It's no score on Rotten Tomatoes. Directed by Rodrigo Sorigoyen, Sorigoyen uh, starring Marta Nieto, Blanca Apalanze, uh, Blanca Aplanes, uh, Alvaro Balas, and Miriam Coria is Madre, or Mother. 
and uh, it's mostly one shot, one take of uh, Marta and her mother um, racing against the clock to save her son. We never see the son. We spend all this most ninety nine percent of the time focused on Marta and her mother in her apartment in one unbroken take, and I think it is brilliant of ratcheting up the tension at ratcheting up the tension. Brilliant performance from Marta Nieto. Uh, I think the phone call, the, the multiple phone calls, the switching off the phones, running from room to room, scrambling around, doing this, doing that, rushing out the door, rushing back in, yelling, crying laughing the the film covers a gambit of of emotions and reactions and responses in a way that most short films just cannot possibly convey and i think sir goyen uh through nieto and, and his direction manages to really pull off everything a feature does uh and i think it's mostly a credit to the style that he films this in um hiding a lot of the pertinent details uh, for, if, if not most of the film, the entirety of the film. Even by the end, uh, you know, we, we, we're left in the dark on a lot of key elements. And, you know, this just shows, you know, it does not take a lot to, to make a great film, in my opinion. I, I think, you know, certainly you can throw hundreds of millions of dollars at a movie with 2,000 mil- 2, people working on it and, and you know, uh, whatever. But Madre takes place in a single apartment with what appears to be a single camera, two actors, and a couple of people doing some voice work. And that's it. Like, I'm, sh- I'm sure there's more to it. But, but that's relatively it. And... Just, you know, I think it's a really, really well-made short. And um, I love Marta Nieto in this. She's absolutely perfect in this role. And I think if you haven't seen it, check it out. I think you'll really respond to her and her performance as the mother. So, once more, my top 10 February 2019 new films are Fighting With My Family, Sidewalls, uh, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, Streetwise, Paddleton, The Interrupters, Capernaum, Trouble the Water, Kit Bull, and Madre. And Madre. Uh, that's it, though. Uh, thank you for listening to today's episode. Uh, it means a lot. Um, really working to make sure I can meet four episodes this week and get back on schedule. Uh, so here we are, finished Tuesdays. Um, if you'd like to follow me, find me, do... I don't know, get in touch with me for any reason, whatever. Uh, you find me on Twitter, at Circle of Film. You find me on Letterboxd, at Circle of Film. You can send me an email, circleoffilm at gmail.com. You can um, support the show by either iTunes, supporting, rating, reviewing, subscribing, uh, or on patreon.com slash circleoffilm, subscribing for as little as eight cents an episode. Uh, you can... Also, find more episodes at most places where podcasts can be found, including iTunes, uh, or on the website, circleoffilm.com, which features all the episodes that have ever been released, uh, as well as a bunch of other stuff. Uh, So feel free to check that out as well. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be.
nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long, farewell, au revoir, be the same. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.